subscribe on iTunes at Toddcast Podcast. Hi, how's it going? Good. Yeah, really good. It's, uh, I I guess it's been probably about a month or so since you and I did that uh, podcast with Dean Blundell. I think so. Time this year has obviously flown by. I don't know. I can't even believe March was seven months ago, six? Yeah. How do you know Dean Blundell? Because you're also part of the Dean Blundell network, like we are. Um, Yeah, I met Dean through Twitter, (laughs) basically. Um, Met Dean through Graham, through Twitter. Uh, Graham and I had some mutual friends, and so I started chatting with Graham on Twitter, and yeah. (laughs) I just Uh, love what he's doing. I'm, you know, I've known Dean from my time when I used to work at Fox and was doing the afternoon show there. Nice. And Excellent. I, and I went to, to Dublin, Ireland with him. Oh, really? uh, we were the oh. only two Canadian radio shows to go to Dublin, do your show right from the Jameson distillery. It was, and that was when Dean was also drinking. So it was very, <laughs> we formed a Which pretty is kind of a bummer more for you, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was just kind of curious cause I've known Dean for, like long time 10 mm-hmm. 15 years maybe so i was just like you know how is he corralling these people to blog for him to do podcasts with him like i just I was so awesome. first. <laughs> yeah i was yeah. like i was like you guys don't have a lot of women on on like your podcast and stuff yet because it was back in i guess march or april and yeah i mean it was just before mercedes um and i think that another actually Another woman has sort of joined up recently and well, now I'm having a brain fart and that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll just get our, our producers in post to magically edit in their name or, or whatever. Oops. How old were you when, cause you're a published author. You're of course a blogger as well. You've got an amazing following on social media. How old were you when you got the, the writing bug? Like how, how did you kind of get into that? six years old when I started writing really like honestly like I've been writing fiction all my life I um could remember being in grade one and every day in grade one we'd have to journal it was really about us just like learning how to write letters (laughs) right form a sentence at that point exactly um so every day we would be doing these journals talking about anything we wanted and I would write basically every single day was a new chapter in the life of my friends so I was doing fin fiction for my friends from age six and so I've always enjoyed writing fiction writing at all and um I just sort of in the last like year or so um really decided that writing can be more than a hobby and I've just kind of gone for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you must get this a lot from, you know, the, the community. What mm-hmm. do you do when you're struggling for ideas and you're kind of running into that, like, ah, I can't do it. Honestly, it, it entirely, I think it depends on what is blocking you. Um, some people write really, really well when they're really low, I guess. Um, yeah. Some people can take darkness and pain and turn it into beautiful art and for me like 2020 has been a bit of like just awful all around like I lost my dad earlier this year and that was the biggest thing that was awful it was just soul crushing right, 
we talked about that on the yes. on the Blundell podcast, and exactly. And so, I mean, that's something that I, Abby. I mean, I I didn't mention this when we were talking with Dean, but it's something that I can't identify with because both my parents are still alive. So, like the and the and I haven't lost a brother, you know, or close friends or anything really, uh, with the exception of like my grandparents. So it's yeah, it's really hard for for someone to kind of wrap their head around just how much of a I mean, and yeah, like my dad was my first like big loss like that for me. Obviously, yeah, I've lost all my grandparents, but you, you right. expect that a little bit more on a different level. Um, so for, yeah, it's just been a whole ringer of emotions I've never really felt before. Um, I just haven't been able to sort of find that creative spark at all. Mm. Um, it's been really frustrating too, because sometimes I'll come up with an idea and I'll want to write it down and I just couldn't do it. I had absolutely no energy, um, ability to like be creative. And when that is an outlet for you, otherwise it just sort of, it's really frustrating. It was really, it's really been hard, but um, I had an idea come to me the other day and I sort of spent the weekend writing it and I'm actually like, you know, it's super early stages and it may come to nothing, but the fact that I'm actually writing again is making me really happy. So yeah, <laughs> something about getting out of that funk and, mm -hmm. and when, when you're not creating and you're not kind of getting those juices flowing yourself, like who are the, the, the authors and the writers that you, you kind of gravitate towards and, and, and love. Um, just, I mean, authors, I, I'll read anything. I'm really? kind of, um, curious about all kinds of things. There are certain things I'll read and not enjoy. I read, uh, for example, um, the portrait of Dorian Gray, I, or the picture of Dorian Gray. I absolutely thought that book was like, terrible did, did and that's you also finish it though like did you complete the book you read the whole i finished it yeah wow. i absolutely so, finished it even after reading chapter 11 which was really just about eight pages talking about how rich this guy is and all of the things that he enjoys being rich that is insane okay so what would make you say fuck this and put the book down like is there nothing nothing <laughs> like, once you dive you're going oh uh, yeah like i mean <laughs> It's kind of, it's a weird thing. I, I used to not be like this. I would start reading and then I would get distracted and I would just put a book down and not pick it up again. Um, 112263 by, sorry, <laughs> by Stephen King is one of those books. That was a book that I started reading and I was really enjoying it. And then I just, I don't know, I probably finished the vacation that I was on reading the book before I finished the book and I put it down and I never picked it up again. And um, last year, I did finally start from the beginning, finish it. And I sort of set a goal for myself last year as well. And like, as I'm starting to take my writing more seriously, I'm like, if I start reading a book, I'm going to finish that book because I started it. I mean, somebody. You, you need to know how it ends. Pardon? Like you need to know how it ends. How do they yeah. wrap this up? Like, what are they doing? How, exactly. where's is, where is the arc? Like you can't get, six sevenths through a book or you know what I mean? Like it's true. Finish. Absolutely. Like you might as well finish it if you get that far. And if you only get like a third of the way in, I mean, some people will start, start a book and if they hate it, they're like, I'm not wasting my time with this anymore. And yeah. I don't usually hate books. That's the thing. Like even with the picture of Dorian Gray, there were 
you know, some redeemable aspects to it. Um, By the time I got to the end, I was like, no, the feelings I was having as I was reading this, hating it and thinking, oh, this is too much. I can't relate to it whatsoever. Um, You know, they were justified. I got to the end and I still feel the same way. (laughs) So, Yeah, yeah. Stephen King is the best though. Stephen King, I mean, yeah, he's a great writer. Absolutely. I think that he does sort of twists really well. I'm a big fan of writing twists myself and yeah. I think he does them much better than me, but still, you know, yeah, um, yeah. probably, probably written a few more, you know, pages than you, but oh yeah, neither here nor Guaranteed. there. <laughs> so, well, no, yeah, the no, that's, I wouldn't even try and like compete yeah. with that. I bet if I lived to be, what is he? 75, I He's probably be wouldn't there. be able to even say then. Yeah. So, and you know, a good, like good for him. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And he's but, still super vocal. Like if you follow him on social media, he is constantly mm-hmm. chirping off Trump and you know, he's, he's active. He's vocal. Yes. I like, yeah. I like his Twitter account. I follow him actually. I don't follow a ton of celebrities on Twitter. Just, you know, right. Uh, I'm there to interact, I guess, more with people that will interact back with me. <laughs> I guess. Right. I don't know. Um, and celebrities, I mean, you, you're, just commenting into an echo chamber 90% of the time. And chances are it's not even run by them anyway. Right. So yeah, I mean, that's not what I'm on Twitter for really. Um, But I do follow his account. I do like his opinions and I like the way that he phrases certain things and um, that's, it's always fun. And uh, I mean, his, but yeah, his uh books to, to movies. Yeah, I mean, I, and when I write too, I like to, I think, imagine my stories on screen, if you will. Um, I think most writers do. I don't think that that's controversial. Right. But mm-hmm. it's probably because of people like Stephen King where their stories become such excellent movies and television, you know? so Just um, because of the way they've laid them out. It's like, yeah. oh, it needs that screenplay. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Um, just especially with the twists, you know, that's always really popular with television too. So, yeah. Um, Have you been uh, finding you're watching still as much TV and movies and stuff as you did at the start of COVID? Is oh, it, yeah. Is it, are you still ramped up there? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to be. Yeah. Well, and I wish I was before too. Like, I was not, um, like, I was definitely a Netflix person <laughs> beforehand. <laughs> If you will. Yeah, um, same. Yeah. So th- that was not something that was like terribly impacted by the pandemic for me. I was just like, okay, so. Right. Well, I guess I have an excuse <laughs> to just right. and watch and binge yes, something. Yes, it's COVID. That's why. Yes, exactly. What, what are you watching right now? What are you, what are you binging? Um, what am I binging? Oh, so, well, I guess I'm, it's on Prime, but I was watching a couple historical dramas, um, and that's kind of sort of what has spurred my um, creativity again, I guess. And oh. I don't know, I don't know, because I don't usually write these things either. So it's uh, I don't really know who I am right now, <laughs> but I don't. Part of me has thought to myself, maybe you know, there's a part of me because this is definitely the kind of book my dad would have been really into, yeah. uh, really into. <laughs> so maybe that's part of it. I don't know, but this topic really interests me, and I'm like super into it, nerding out a bit right now. So um, those I've been watching. Um, 
I just finished Away, the Hillary Swank uh, in Space one. Yeah, um, that's, that's, that's on my list. How was that? I mean, I, you know what? I liked it, so but I awesome. like stuff like that. I yeah. like post-apocalyptic. It's not really post-apocalyptic. It's just future. Um, but I kind of like that. What if sci-fi um, future? Right. Kind of themes. And um, obviously it's about a shuttle that's going to Mars to see if they can actually grow food on Mars because earth is dying and it's it's a little complicated i guess you know in terms of like is it the upper echelons of that kind of genre um probably not like it it's kind of do you remember did you ever watch the man in the high castle on prime Mm, no so the man in the high castle though for me is similar where it's this really high concept in a way um story that is so interesting in itself but the elements of the show whether it's the chemistry of the actors or the simplicity i guess of the script just doesn't really lend itself to that really big idea you know it's not like whereas game of thrones really had like that complicated story but all of the elements of the series really matched it in a way, which helped it become so big. Mm. Trippy. Isn't it funny? You're saying it's set in the future. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it has to be because it, like, it has to be. Yeah. They're going to Mars. Yeah. So but like, it's not too, too far in the future, but it's, it's kind of in the handmaid's tale, you know, maybe 20 years. <laughs> right. It's coming around. Uh, what yeah. I was going to get to was, isn't it amazing now to look back and think of like, you know, when the 2001, space odyssey was mm-hmm. a big thing and it was like wow imagine being like living in the year 2001 God, and it that's was pretty, like that's like 20 years ago now <laughs> i know and it was what dominated 2001 was well yeah 9-11 but britney spears <laughs> that, yeah that that, that was also a big year yeah. would you take 2001 death aside would you take 2001 over 2020 i oh yeah (laughs) like what a fucked up year i mean i'm not the kind of person who's like yeah i want to be 16 again because 16 was so fun and easy but (laughs) 2020 sucked (laughs) like it's been a rough obviously you have to live in the moment and live in the future but (laughs) yeah my dad was still alive in 2001 (laughs) did you uh watch any of the u.s presidential elect or debate and the tire fire that it was i mean so no <laughs> i got the coles notes on twitter and like yeah everywhere um i had I, to yeah i had, see, to, I had uh, to watch a little bit it was so honestly, bad i cannot stand donald trump like i just can't Same. i can't and for me there's nothing about his so for me i can't stand him i wouldn't vote for him i have absolutely no um common ground with his policies so for me watching it would literally just be to watch him you know yelling and being a bully and i don't enjoy it i did truly start tuning him out a long long time ago and obviously you can't avoid the things that he says it makes news and so you find out these things that he says and i constantly roll my eyes about it and people will be like, oh, you're overreacting, you dumb liberal bitch. And I'm just like, 
fuck it. I honestly don't need to watch him. If I was an American citizen, I would have already mailed in my vote for Joe Biden. So right. what's the point? I feel the same. And I and anger myself. Like you, I'm getting all angry right now. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, do you think he actually caught COVID or was that a deflection from the shitty debate? Um, I think he did because I just don't think I don't think, think he did. He, oh, God. I, I, don't, you know, I don't think he did. I think that, it, you know, it was the shitty debate and the deflection. I heard that he has stakes or stocks or whatever in, the, in one of the companies that's creating the coronavirus. Uh, one um, of the drugs is made of stem cells and all of one his of the plant, drugs are yeah. all of his pro-life people have like they're like isn't aren't stem cells amazing all of a sudden all of a sudden right <laughs> all of a sudden so i don't know i i feel like i mean it's shitty to think that 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 might be the case but it wouldn't put me it wouldn't put it past him that uh you know he's just saying that to be like yeah i came out look how strong i am strong as i'm the best i'm the best president ever like but he's if just, he's magically better then he can have more debates right. i mean if they I had <laughs> I had a thought the other day. I was like, honestly, why not just have these debates virtual over Zoom? And when one of them tries to talk over the other one, you just mute their fucking you just mute, mute their audio <laughs> and let the other guy fucking talk. I know, it's so bad. I felt so bad for uh, who was that? Chris Wallace. It's like uh -huh. just to try to keep something like that organized was just. Imagine I mean, if it's you chaos. Just push a button, turn their mic off, and then you just literally have someone going. Maybe that's the way to go the next time. Yeah. <laughs> let, let me switch. Uh, let me switch gears here and and hit into the music side of of Abby Simpson. What's the okay. music you're growing up to in 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 the house? Like, what are your parents playing? Um. Okay. So, well, my dad worked in radio, so oh. I I do remember at like five years old, I knew who Queen and the Beatles were. Nice. Um. And obviously, I grew up on Sharon Lewis and Bram and all that stuff too you know he would get promo tickets to when sharon lewis and bram came to town and he would take us <laughs> nice <laughs> like celebrities it's so fun um and my mom i remember she had three cds she listened to a lot that are kind of embedded in my memory and that was uh janet jackson's janet album and bonnie Raitt's luck of the draw okay. and Tears for Fears greatest hits, and wow. I love them all to this day. <laughs> Great okay. records. I mean that that yeah. at this point now they must be, you know, it's almost like comfort music. Oh, I, well, I love Tears for Fears too. Like so damn good. So freaking. I mean, Bonnie Raitt's incredible, and that was definitely the height of Janet's career for sure. Yeah. Um, that Janet era. Um, all the songs on that album are fantastic too. So yeah. mm -hmm. I didn't know that your dad worked in radio. Where where did he work? What did he do? He was music director at FM ninety six in London for oh, London, years. Ontario. Okay. Yeah, I grew oh. up there. I was oh. I was there till I was twenty, and then I went to school in Ottawa for two years, and then I moved out to BC. Oh, um, what yeah. what what made you what made you move out this way? Uh, I got a job at Rogers Radio in Vancouver. Oh. Actually, <laughs> yeah, there you go. And I was I worked in promo. Okay. Um, radio for about a decade so oh wow yeah Why and uh, that? yeah surprise yeah i'm on my like second life as far as careers go i guess right maybe third. yeah oh that's that's great <laughs> so obviously with your dad being a music director like it was big 
music yeah. big in your in your house. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, that's cool. Definitely. And I mean, I had my um, teeny bopper phase, obviously. I grew up, I was a teenage girl in the late 90s or early 2000s. So yeah. you can guess what my musical taste was like. Oh, I bet you it was probably pretty good. What was the, <laughs> what was your first concert? My first, so the first concert I went to for myself, like not because I would go to shows with my, I remember I helped introduce the tragically hip on stage when I was like three. <laughs> that was fun. Um, How yeah. awesome is that? Yeah. Cause it was, it was like really like, what was it? It would have been what? 88. So they were just breaking. If you wow. like, it was like their early, early career. And they did a show at Harris park in London, Ontario. And my dad was one of the music directors across the country who was like on their music right away. Right. Um, and when they came and they did this this show, I think it was a free show in Harris Park. Um, my dad did the like introduction from the stage, and he brought me out with him. So that I got to into the microphone. Just... That tragically hit. Oh, that's so rad! Yeah, what a cool and, memory. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely. So, but I mean, but the first one I went to for myself was Hanson. Yes, it's true. I'll have my editors. Edit that out. Thank <laughs> you. Save yeah, you some there's space. a couple, couple yeah, leaks now, huh? But that, that <laughs> probably was still pretty good. Like they're, you know, they're a pretty good band, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Like they, what they were that differed from like the NSYNCs and the Backstreet Boys of that era were that they were obviously a band, right? So and they, they were all brothers, together. were they not? Like that's they brothers. The Hanson. Han- they were, yeah, the Hanson brothers, yeah. but not the hockey ones. Mm. Um, well, the hockey they, ones far superior to the Hanson singing ones. I mean, yeah, but yeah. also 12-year-old, 13-year-old me would have viciously disagreed with you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they did. They wrote their own songs. They played their own instruments. Um, when the industry gave up on them, not, what, two, three years after they broke through, right. uh, they started their own record label um, and continued oh, cool. doing their thing. Yeah, they continued oh. doing their thing for, well, they're still doing it, actually. Right. Um, I just gave up on them in 2008 when Zach Hansen said he was disappointed that Obama won the election. <laughs> oh, you're like, that's it. I'm done. I, I was can't... like, I was already kind of like all of their music starting to sound the same. Yeah. I'm, you know, moving past this a little bit. Then that happened. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can't support. I'm thinking about my taste in men because Zach Hansen was like my big teenage crush, like big, big. Oh, oh yeah. I had the biggest crush on him. And then I found out he was a complete and total like red state, like. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I don't pick them any better. <laughs> the game changer. <laughs> hey, speaking of that was uh, the nail in the coffin. We'll say not necessarily the game changer. Yeah, that's it. Well, it's a t- the TSN turning point. Sorry, buddy, yeah. you're supporting somebody that's. Uh, yeah. We're, we're talking Hanson brothers. Are you a big mm-hmm. hockey fan? And what did you think of the? What did you think of the way that they did the playoffs this year? And we we got to wait so long now for hockey. And we had hockey when we shouldn't have had hockey. Like. Well, a, I'm a Leafs a fan, and the Leafs didn't show up for this. Sorry, this uh, this interview is done. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't realize yeah, I was going to be talking to a stinking. Like, I was just, I was just insulting them. Let me finish. <laughs> Honestly, no. So, being a Leafs fan, they actually they didn't really kind of show up for this sort of postseason season, whatever you call it, and. Yeah. So I was enthused. I was about as enthused about it as they were. Let's say. <laughs> right. I mean, it was nice. It was it was cool. I guess that there was hockey, but um, 
Mm. <laughs> I, know, it was, I, I, I also felt like it was unnecessary and I was distracted by the Raptors. Another unnecessary season, but they were actually doing well and I'm a fan. So that was fun. <laughs> what did you think of the post-production or I guess it was live production of like the, the crowd and shit, like in, in the hockey games, Yeah, I mean, like don't, yeah, don't do that. I mean, it was, I mean, the NBA did the same thing. I mean, it's weird, but it's, it, it is dumb. what it is, right? Like, it's just dumb. Like, whoever thought that that was a good idea should, like, maybe not lose their job, but certainly, you know, so you know get I hit with, know. like, a newspaper or something, you know? So part of me is also, like, okay, like, when they were, like, talking about sports coming back and playing in front of no crowds, right? I was just like, oh, interesting. You know, women's tennis knows exactly what this is like. <laughs> Zing. and um so for me it was kind of like you know oh big deal big whoop you're gonna have to play in front of nobody like right. suck it up um and yet it's not the worst thing especially since these are the weirdest times to have this really strange element like some of the cardboard cutouts that they're putting in the mlb stands are like funny and they're actually doing this on purpose. Right. So that's a little bit of, I guess, brevity to the fact like people are acknowledging like this is dumb. <laughs> so it's <Yeah>. so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna, and it's pretty funny putting we're just We're going to random... add a cardboard cutout of Spike Lee. <laughs> yeah. Like what? <laughs> All right. Did I just see Spike Lee? I think I just saw Spike Lee. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's not the worst thing. It does add to... It the hilarity of it all yeah it's a case of like you know something's better than nothing mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's fair absolutely yeah. where are you most active on social media twitter <laughs> twitter is the most for you yeah uh, same, same for me mm -hmm. I, I jump on facebook here and there and it's just kind of you know if i find a cool video i kind of get sucked in and do the rabbit hole thing but more than anything i'm just on twitter a lot Instagram here and there, but not very much. Absolutely. Like Instagram, if I have a nice photo, I'll post it, but I'm usually also posting it on Twitter. Right? I don't know. Right. Um, Facebook. I don't really like I was on Facebook. St like I still have a Facebook page, but I was on it. My dad was on it, you know, like he, cause he was 71. He lived right. on Facebook. Right. right. So um, it's where the older generation go to for sure. Exactly. And yeah. you know, he, not around on it anymore like so there are people that are still on facebook that i go check in and see like my aunt's on it and things like that and right you know she's not on other social media um but i'm not really i'm not really big on facebook really at yep. all yep fair enough i would be remiss if i didn't bring this up mm -hmm. uh eddie van halen mm -hmm. pa passed away today yeah David i feel awful for his kid for wolfgang yeah that's the th like i mean Terrible. i was not i was never a van halen fan i never was like i i i, I don't want to say i actively hated their music but i was so not a fan of it ever, ever. Really? like none of no. it like I, I was gonna say like was it a david lee roth thing or a sammy oh, hagar but it was for sure partially a david lee roth thing like but right. sammy hagar i don't really he didn't make it better <laughs> um, right i just, okay. just the songs are just not they're not my thing like 
and you have a bunch of people who are going to turn around and go, yeah, but you liked Hanson. So yeah, like fine. Music is subjective. A hundred percent. I'm not saying the music was bad. I'm saying I right. wasn't a fan of it. You personally. <laughs> okay. So let me ask you this so we can actually get a, a feeling of what, uh, what your music world is like right now. Mm -hmm. If you're on a deserted Island, what are the three albums you need to have? Oh man. See, that's like you should have given me time to think about this. Oh gosh! No, um, pick it apart, and then you'd be all like, "Yeah, I'd need this." And no, we just want to see like the actual natural reaction. Like, what are the first three albums you think? Like, boom. Okay, well then, fine. Joni Mitchell's Blue and um, Tears for Fears Greatest Hits, and I don't know because I'm on a desert island. Maybe Bob Marley, because I just then yes. I'll just be not worried about leaving. <laughs> so good. I would mm -hmm. take some Bob as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I would probably enjoy this. Pro probably Fleetwood Mac rumors. I mean, yeah. Like, see again. Right. I only three. It's way too hard. And then, and then probably something super, super heavy for those aggressive moments like Pantera vulgar display of power or Metallica and justice or I don't know something like that nah, I'd probably I if, if I could take five I would I would definitely add rumors and then I'll add the miseducation of Lauren Hill Let's I mean is rumors is rumors <laughs> the best album ever I mean well it's again music is subjective I really love it I think that it was the first album, was it not the first album ever in Canada to sell a million copies? Oh, wow, that's great trivia. It wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. Like, it, it's one of like the best-selling albums of all time, so for yeah. sure it's objectively good, I yeah. would say. Right, but it, it's the story that's, that's around the Rumors record. How well, yeah, all, the, you know, the behind-the-scenes stuff be, is really Yeah, they're all together... And they're breaking up and they, all these, I mean, if you haven't watched the, uh, there's that documentary, like the making of uh, Fleetwood Mac rumors. Mm -hmm. I haven't uh, seen it. You, okay. You need to like, if you like that album, go and watch mm -hmm. those. Like it's only like maybe 45 minutes long, but right. the producer and the engineer of the record are sitting with Mick Fleetwood and they kind of rip through the songs and they're showing like, you know, each on the board, the, the mixing board, they're, they're only highlighting certain lines where you could hear like, you know, a really devastating singing line from Lindsey Buckingham where it's complimenting Stevie Nicks when you hear both of them together. And like, it's just really, it's really well done. It's one of those, like you want it to be done for every one of those albums that again, the comfort music, you just mm -hmm. want that. You want to be able to get that behind the scenes thing. Right. And that's, for sure. Uh, that one of my favorite album documentaries was on highway 61 revisited actually and again there's another it, album but it, um it was about so one of the segments and i'll never forget it i just it's like vividly burned into my brain was the story of the making of like a rolling stone and i believe it was al kaufman a session keyboardist oh, shoot he anyway it was called in last minute to play keyboards on the song and obviously that song has a very prominent keyboard sound right like when you think of the song like a rolling stone you can hear the keyboard right yeah, totally. and he and 
the, the keyboard is like an eighth behind the rest of the track, right? The rest of the musicians. And that was an accident. That was Al Kaufman coming in last minute, not reading the sheet music or having practice really beforehand with the band and playing the note an eighth behind everybody else. And he knew he was doing it the whole time and they played through and he felt like such a heel. He was like, oh my God, never, like Bob Dylan is never going to have me be a session musician with him ever again. I'm so embarrassed. This is horrible. And they're playing the track back and Bob Dylan is listening and finally he's like, stop. And I was like, oh, I'm going to hear it. This is awful. He's going to give me so much shit. And he goes, he goes, the keyboard is perfect. Nice. The, the sound of it, like basically being an eighth behind and it was like complete accident. And that is now one of like the most like kind of enduring musical noises, I guess. I don't know. Of the track, if you yeah. will. What's well, uh, Yeah. I mean, it drives that track. Mm-hmm. So sometimes. Right? And those are the stories. Those are the stories that everybody wants with the songs that, you know, make them feel comfy. I mean, that do that documentary also had a lot of interviews with Joan Baez, if you want to go the Fleetwood Mac route, right? So uh, Joan Baez, I've, Bob I've Dylan. Written it, kind of I've written it down. So you've got some homework. I've got some homework. Done. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Abby, I'm going to wrap it up here. You are. Sorry. I talked you, to you No, not at all. Are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> we'll just do it again. I mean, you know, we don't have. Yeah. It's, not a, it's not, not a one-time thing. You know, it's not a awesome. one-off. Um, you are uh, Abby the Tweet. Yes, I am. On Twitter? Yes, what I are am. What are you on the Instagram that you're never on? A dot Simpson dot A like Canada A. <laughs> it's not a very, it's basically anything you'll get on, on Instagram, you'll probably get on, um, Abby on Twitter. Tweet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Beauty. Yeah. We'll have a, have a good rest of your night and I guess we'll see you. We'll see you online. Absolutely. The Toddcast Podcast on ToddHancock.ca.